Hello, and welcome to Life on Maine, a daily podcast of Life on Maine in Charlestown, New Hampshire, where we discuss living life on the main purpose as designed by God. I am Pastor Tim Golden, and on these podcasts, we focus on growing in relationship with God, maturing in the faith through His Word, stewarding our relationships with one another, as well as learning to make disciples as we share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Each day highlights one of these facets of spiritual character, growth, and stewardship, so be sure to come back each day to grow a strong and healthy walk with the Lord. Now, let's see what the Holy Spirit wants to show us today. Well, welcome to Worship Wednesday, where we talk about increasing our passion for the Lord as well as the quality of our worship to Him. Anybody that knows me knows that where I am right now is probably my favorite way to worship the Lord, and that is sitting down at the piano and just playing music uh, to Him. But the thing is, is that really the best worship that we can provide? What worship style is it that God really enjoys? And I want to talk a little bit about that today. And there's a passage of scripture out of First Chronicles chapter 16. And there's one verse specifically that I know I've heard a lot of songs written about, a lot of sermons on. And that comes out of verse 29 of that passage. And it says this, Worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. And, but prior to that, so many times we take these verses and we just look at them by themselves. And we don't really take the time to examine the context through which that is being written. And what happened, when this passage took place, it took place when David had just brought the ark back to Jerusalem, and he had positioned it and was now uh, uh, bringing a song of praise before the Lord. Actually takes us all the way up to verse 8, and what I see is I see four basic areas that he kind of um, plays out here for us to bring us to climax at that verse that we just read. And he starts in verse 8 by praising him for who he is and for what he's done, praising the Lord for all that he is. Uh, It says, give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he's done. Sing to him, sing praise to him, tell of all his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name, let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strength, seek his face always. And that is the kind of passage you would probably expect to hear a worship service begin with. uh, Because it's all about preparing yourself and turning your focus towards God. But that's only the beginning part of where he's taking us. His tone then begins to change just a little bit in verse 12. He says, remember the wonders he's done, his miracles, and the judgments that he pronounced. So now here all of a sudden we're moving from the warm and fluffy into actually thinking about the judgments and the um, the sentencing, if you will, that he brings forth. Um, So he says, And the judgments he pronounced, you his servants, the descendants of Israel, his chosen ones, the children of Jacob. He is the Lord our God, and his judgments are in all the earth, including Israel. Okay, so he's giving us this picture of, okay, praise him, seek his face, acknowledge who he is, what he's done. But I also want you now to remember his judgments throughout all the earth. And there's actually two aspects of this. He then goes into the next uh, about six verses, uh, talking about the wonders and the miracles uh, that God has performed. And mainly what he's referring to is the Lord's promises, as well as his ability to fulfill those promises. He said um, that God remembers his covenant forever. 
uh, the promise he made for a thousand generations to the covenant he made with Abraham, the oath he swore to Isaac. So all dealing with the promise and the oath. He confirmed it to Jacob as a decree, to Israel as an everlasting covenant. To you I will give the land of Canaan as a portion, as the portion you will inherit. When they were but few in number, few indeed, and strangers in it, they wandered from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another. Um, but yet God sustained them in and through it all. So we see the wonders and the miracles that God had did there. But then in verse 21, he goes on to talk about the Lord's judgments. He says, he allowed no one to oppress them. For their sake he rebuked kings, saying, Do not touch my anointed ones, do my prophets no harm. Then it goes on to say again, Sing to the Lord all the earth, proclaim his salvation day after day. Proclaim what he has done, how he has protected you, how he has uh, paved the way for you. Uh, declare his glory among the nations, the marvelous deeds among the people. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared. That's to be reverenced, but it also carries with it this aspect of having a holy fear as well. Um, for he is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. The Lord is the only one who is, who is a true God, who is a living God. Okay, and then, so he's taken us through this aspect of worship him for who he is, for what he's done. Remember all the wonders and miracles he's done, but also don't forget his judgments as well, how he has protected you, but that this God is to be feared. This God is to be reverenced in every way because he is a just God. He is a holy God. And then he summarizes it in verses 27 through 29 for us when he says splendor and majesty are before him strength and joy are in his dwelling place ascribe to the lord all you families of nations ascribe to the lord glory and strength ascribe to the lord glory do his name and bring an offering come before him worship the lord in the splendor of his holiness and so there is the the gathering all place for this is we are to worship him in holiness because of all these other things. So I guess the question really is then, what really is holiness? Well, when it's referring to God, holiness is talking of his ability to be perfectly pure, perfectly moral, perfectly um, full, full of perfect integrity, if you will. Okay, and we talked about that actually last week on our uh, Theology Thursday, when we were talking about being a godly leader and the need for integrity. But, it, it, but it's this perfect aspect that he fulfills all things, you know, that are moral, that are right, that are just, that are pure. Now, we, however, are also called to be holy. Jesus said, be holy for I am holy. Well, does that mean that we step into that realm? No, we can't. We're in a fallen state. We, we are tainted by sin. And so when we look at human beings, holiness is dealing with a purity of heart. You know, our actions might not always line up. We will fall. We will falter. But yet, in our hearts, we are pure. Our affections, if you will, have been sanctified before him. We bring those things under the submission of the Lord. Um, we are morally good, even though we may not be perfect, okay? But we are constantly striving to attain that, um, knowing we can never get there, but we are at least always moving in that direction. And we also know that holiness uh, can refer to uh, things as well, right? The temple was holy. Well, how can that 
be perfect. That word holiness there is dealing with being sanctified, being set apart for a specific purpose. And so it's understanding that in holiness we are called to be morally pure, but it's also this aspect of being set apart for the Lord. So when we go back to this verse that we are to worship the Lord and the splendor of holiness, we need to take a look at something. Because depending on what translation you look at, you will see it worded this way. And like in the English Standard Version, as well as the New King James Version, it will refer to worship him in the beauty of holiness. But if you look at the New International Version, it says worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. And so now you have to begin to ask yourself, because that's really two totally different things just by adding that one word. And um, so is it that we worship him in holiness or that we're to worship him in his holiness? And because actually if you take the NIV and, and you look at your little footnotes in the bottom, it will actually say uh, regarding this, this phrase of um, in the splendor of his holiness, it will say, or in holy attire. And so the truth is, neither of these translations are wrong. They're really both correct. We have no holiness that we can really bring in and of ourselves other than what the Lord gives to us, what he has birthed in us. And so we worship him in holiness. The holiness that we bring is really ultimately his holiness to begin with. Um, but yet we need to worship him in his holiness, understanding that he is perfect, understanding that he is right and just and pure. And so we want to worship that aspect of who he is. But in the process of doing that, we also want to worship him in holiness. It's not just a matter of bringing a song. It's not just a matter of saying uh, shouts of praise to him. It's got to be backed up by a life that is holy, a life that understands who God is, understands what he's done, understands his judgments, is willing and wanting to uh, reverence themselves before him, to hold, have a holy fear of him, and live a life of worship to him. So the worship really that God desires isn't this instrument here. It's not even my voice. Those can be expressions that he really enjoys. But it's only when those acts of praise, when we worship the Lord that way, when it's worshiped, and brought before him in an attitude of holiness, with a heart that's pure, that it becomes holy and acceptable unto God. It's not how well you play, it's not how well you sing. It's how pure are you willing to try to live your life for him. And then in that, in that aspect of holiness, you then package your songs, you practice your shouts of praise to him, and you bring the whole package, your, your, your words as well as your life before him. And that becomes the worship style that God truly desires. So we hope that this has been helpful to you as you continue to press more and more into his kingdom, into his presence, uh, and that you will experience worship at this level uh, as you bring it to him this way and see what God will begin to do. And even if he does nothing is really irrelevant because it's a praise that he is worthy of no matter what. Thank you for tuning in. Join us again tomorrow for Theology Thursday. In the meantime, may God bless you. We want to thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. We pray that it was beneficial for you. Be sure to tune in tomorrow for another episode of Life on Main. You can learn more about our church by visiting our website at lifeonmain.org. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash lifeonmain where you can learn about upcoming events and find links to videos of these broadcasts and sermons. 
You can also view our sermons on our YouTube channel at bit.ly slash lifeonmain with each of those words capitalized. Thanks for listening to Life on Main and may God bless you.